word. Father, we thank you for your grace. It's so sufficient for us. And your strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And Lord, you know how weak this servant of yours is. Lord, may he reflect Christ in his, what he says. And may the word of God, the very word of God, come forth clearly and plainly and understandably. And we'll give you all the glory and praise for what you will accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you, have, we're, I'm going to talk, I'm talk, the topic I'm talking about today is good stewards. And the passage that we're looking at, that you look at, is there is uh, Matthew 25. It's a long passage. I'm not going to cover all the verses. I'm just going to cover just a few of them. Um, you'll think I've been there forever, but I want you to understand what where I'm coming from. Some of you, if not all of you, have heard we're planning on doing, uh, having a, improving our missions budget. What missions budget? Well, that's what we're going to get into. And we have these mission commitments. You'll, you'll get one of these at the end. This slip of paper is just for you to put down to an amount, whether it's monthly or weekly. Now, this, this, all this is we want you to put amount. I'm willing to trust God or I'm willing to give to God, I'm willing to sacrifice to God a certain amount of money. Now, don't put down a horrendous amount of money. Just put down what you believe you can give to God. One of the things that was brought up at our meeting when we were discussing this is if you just say you go to Starbucks and you buy a $5 coffee, well, Forgo that coffee for one, one coffee. And that money you set aside and you give that, you give that each time you do that. But the amount of money that you are willing to do weekly or monthly, we want you to put that down. And put, uh, put that in the offering box. You don't have to do it today. We want you to pray about it. We want you to, to really think about it because what, when we take, re, pick up these papers, when we collect these papers, the amount of money that we receive is going to be our missions budget. This is money that we're going to give to missionaries. This is the money we're giving to people that we, we will be supporting. Now you say, who, we, who are we looking at? We're looking at least two, group, two, two families. Uh, one I have to get a contact with, but secondly, uh, Steve Mwende. If you remember having him in our pulpit a few um, a while back, he is a, a, past, a pastor missionary to Kenya. He is a missionary, but he is also a native Kenyan. And he and his wife are serving in Kenya, and he's on a mission, uh, the Baptist Mid Missions, and we're looking to support him. Now, I understand we have supported him in the past, 
We have supported him uh, to some degree. Now we want to pick up where we where we have failed before and now pick it up. This is something that is not new, but yet it's new to us because we haven't done it for a while. He's just one of them. And what we are planning on, how we're planning on doing this is basically taking this money that we get in. You say, well, you're liable to get more in than than whatever. Well, that's all right. Whatever that is, we're going to divide that missionary, that a pot in uh, between the missionaries that we're supporting it, supporting. And uh, the other family is the Cottesses. They're a missionary couple in Los Angeles, I believe. And they are very similar to us. Are they in Peru, Cottesses? Pardon me? They're <laughs> Very good, Ted. They're, they're, well, wherever they are, we ha- will have to get. I have to get a hold of them, but we'll talk to them. They too are another family that we were supporting, and we have dropped their support, which is not good. So, what we're hoping to do is renew this support for them, and whatever we get. Now, remember what I said. We're going to count. These, ba- these things up, that is going to be what we spend for missions. Now, when we get that amount, then we'll determine, we, we, the men will decide, and we will bring it to you people. We'll let you know who we're supporting and how much we're supporting them. So that way we continue, the, the continuation of their support will go on. I'm hoping I'm making this. We'll remind you of this. Um, how long did we say, Lynn, that we were going to do this? I mean, hold the. Uh, was it going to be a, next week? Oh, the end of the month. That's right. We're we're going to have this by. The, we would like this back by the end of the month, so we can know how much we have. And as I say, what we what we tally up will be our missions budget. So let's just say $5 a month, that's $60 a year. And, that's, and we're going to go that amount added to whatever other people give. So keep that in mind. We'll hand these out at the end. And the reason why I'm, I'm saying that is because I want us to, I want us to understand something. In the last few weeks, Sean's been going through our, our uh, vision statement our mission statement, our key characteristics. And one of the things that we, we have covered, that he covered very adequately, and very, I'm very grateful to it, was our characteristics. And one of them is that we are evangelical, we're fundamental, evangelical, dispensational. Those three. I'm going to deal with the issue of dispensationalism or dispensational. Now, don't let that scare you. Don't let that turn you off. I'm using words, but I'm going to try to explain it as I understand it in Scripture. And uh, I hope it will become plain to you because this is the churches I went to, of all the churches I've ever attended, were dispensational. 
And I would like to explain what dispensationalism is. Schools have a way of telling, well, we're dispensational, and this is... And uh, how many of you have, have or have had in your hand a Schofield Reference Bible? How many of you have, are using a Schofield Reference Bible? Okay. Good. <laughs> Schofield is one of the known, known uh, dispensationalists of our time. And uh, I use it, but with caution, but that's all right. I'm going to read our, our statement here, and then I'm going to get into the message for the, our Sunday school lesson message for this. Dispensational. We understand that the God, God has revealed himself and his expectations of mankind in different ways at different times. What God revealed concerning himself and what he expected of mankind was different for Adam and Eve, different even before and after the fall. Noah, the patriarchs, Moses, and all the all the Israelites, the church, and will be in the millennium. Uh, and will be in the millennial kingdom. Though God's in different ways, in different times, salvation has only and always been by grace through belief in the promise of God, ultimately based upon the redemptive work of Jesus' substitutionary death and resurrection. And then it gives us a number of Verses there, Genesis 15, 6, Romans 3, 19 to 26, uh, Romans 4, 18 to 26, Revelation 13, 8. Two main tenets of dispensationalism are literal, grammatical, historical method of interpretation. It says that it, 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 it says what it means and it means what it says, not allegorical. This includes the literal interpretation of creation, which is foundational to accurate interpretation of the entire word of God. Israel and the church are separate and distinct. What God promises directly to Israel may not be spiritualized to make it into a promise which fits the church. God will keep his promise to the nation of Israel. That's what we put down. That's what we have accepted. That's what we, we hold to. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and you've made us who we are. And sometimes we don't understand exactly what that involves because we use words and it's hard for us to understand. But yet, Father, you make it very clear in your word as to who we are and what we are to do. And we pray, Father, as we consider missions and as we consider our walk with you, as we consider many things, your word would become basis and we under, and give us an understanding for it. Thank you for these people. Give us receptive hearts that we might receive the truth 
And help me to give it in love, to glorify and honor our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. What is a dispensationalist? Did you know that's a Bible term? Dispensation? It's in the Bible. It really is. It comes from two different Greek words. Now, I'm not going to get Greek on you, but I'm going to tell you what these words are. Oikos. Tells you a whole lot, doesn't it? Well, that word means house. Oikos. Nemo. Searching for Nemo. Nemo. That means to dispense or manage. So what a dispensationalist is, he's one who manages a house. Now, interestingly enough, we men have the responsibility, and us, and you women, not us women, but you women, also manage your household. God has entrusted to us as his, as, as his, as families, the management of our households. We're eek. And the word that they use there is rather interesting. It sounds almost like uh, economia, which we get the word economy from. We have a budget. We keep with the budget. We, we maintain our house. We, do, we have so much we spend for groceries, so much for this, and we budget things out. We even have a budget here at church. And we try to maintain that, and we try to hold to that. And that's where we, how we operate. We try not to overspend. Sometimes it doesn't always work. Sometimes it works perfectly. But God has made us, we are dispensationalists in the fact that we manage the building. We manage our house. We are a household of, of God. That's how God identifies. We're a family, family of God. So if we're a family, we have a house. We have a place. We have a place of coming together. And God lays out certain things. That's one of the things that we, when another tenant we have is the fact that we are family-related, family-oriented. So we, we try to govern our family. You know, we our our families try to govern the operation of the of the of this local church of Northridge, and that's one of the things that we we get into. That's politics, and we're not going to get into politics. And I don't mean the national politics. I'm talking about local politics, such as ourselves governing ourselves. We're autonomous. That means we don't have, even though we belong, we belong to an association or, or part of an association of, of churches and pastors, we, they don't tell us what to do. We determine in and of ourselves. We're in, a, we're in an association with Baptist church planters, and they, they come alongside to help us, guide us in, in areas that they see are our weaknesses and our strengths, and they try to blend us, help us to become more, uh, Autonomous, be where we make, are able to make our own decisions and right decisions, scriptural decisions, because that's the basis in which we operate. There's two basic tenets that we looked at, and that's the literal, grammatical, historical method of, of interpretation of the scripture. In other words, what God says is what he means. We understand that. 
And so there's where we are. We try to understand, we, what we read in our Bible is what's there. When we read Matthew 25 today, it, it's a parable. We know it's a story. We know it's an illustration. It's, a, it's something that, that is to give light to something that Jesus wants to teach. And he wants to teach his disciples. So they can be better economists in, in, in the economy of, of, of the church. And they're just starting out. So he's, he's trying to give this. But he's speaking to Israel. These, these are Israelites. The church isn't in existence now. But the scriptures, there for our example. Something we can learn from. So there is a distinction between the church and Israel. And rather interesting. There's a couple of things that I, I come across. Uh, I have a, you can see how old this book is. It's called Dispensational Made Simple by a gentleman I heard very personal when I was growing up, Clarence Mason. He was the president at the time of Philadelphia College of the Bible. Good book, good professor. He's, uh, here they identify him as a, um, as a professor. And it's kind of interesting. I, I, I don't necessarily swallow all that he feeds, but that may be that I don't understand it, and he does a whole lot better than I do. I have another article here from uh, the gentleman's name is Showers. You might be familiar with him. Um, I'm trying to see where his name is. That first name is Donald Showers, I think. He, too, is a professor at Philadelphia College of the Bible. Dispensational school, so they're teaching this. And that's where I came from back in Pennsylvania. So, But I went to Prairie, and Prairie's not a dispensational school. How did that happen? Well, God knows what he's doing. I, but I haven't lost my touch for being a dispensationalist. Two basic principles of dispensationalism are a gradual revelation by God. Truth is not static. It's kind of interesting when we think about that. Truth is not static. It's dynamic. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing sunder of the soul and spirit and discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's dynamic. Truth has a way of revealing itself, and, when it, and it either does one of two things. It either encourages us or discourages us. And when it discourages us, that's God working in the truth to bring us to himself so that we can, we can, through the scriptures, confess it, get rid of it, and repent of it, and go on from there. Progressive, one of the things I, I learned from Dr. Kober. Uh, we all know Dr. Kober. And that is, the Bible's theme, basic, the whole theme of the Bible is God's redemption of mankind. 
If you go back to Genesis and go through to Revelation and, and you look through that, he's calling men to repentance. He's calling them to be saved. He's calling them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ eventually. He's funneling everything into the ultimate where he he changes things that are on this vile earth to to a new heaven and a new earth. Where in his right, you know, reigneth righteousness. It's a beautiful picture when you realize it. Now, how does this apply to us believers? Well, what do you own? I mentioned the fact that we family members or we were in families. Uh, what do we own? What, 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 is, what do we have as our possession? Well, we have kids. Wow. We had kids. We still have kids. We have grandkids. And now we have great-grandkids. Boy, that makes me old. Quiet, Ed. <laughs> or Ted, I should say. Anyway. But that's what God's given us. That's what we have. That's what we... Now, they're, surely, and they're not ours. I mean, our kids are, but they, they have their own homes. They have their own families. They have their own possessions. They have their own things. They own their houses. They, they have all these things, we, like you do. And one of the things that, that, that's come up is the fact that these are things that God has given us. We recognize that God has given us. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the scripture says. Do we understand that what God has given us? That, you know, we, we don't, when you go outside and you look at the beautiful day that's outside, God's given you that. He's given you the day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. However, why is it that we end up looking like we have sour grapes? We just ate a pound of sour grapes. Because we may not recognize the fact that this is what God has given us. One of my key verses that I look at is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What? And everything give thanks. What day are we coming up on? We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Only on Thanksgiving are we going to sit around the table, eat a turkey. We're going to say, thank you, Lord, for this food. What, but what else do you, are you thankful for? You, the health you have? The good health you have? Good health of your family? Your good health of your, you know, your, your <laughs> that God has given you? How about the how about the car that you have? Well, I paid for that, or I'm paying for that. How about the house? Oh well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to me. But Jesus told his disciples, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteous and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you." And what were they? Clothes, food, and shelter. You realize that? If you see God, God's going to provide. God has never seen his, his saints begging bread. Do you understand what that verse means? We've learned that hard in our, in our, early in our marriage. 
We say we trust God, but are we trusting God? Are we following God to where we take his word? Yeah, sure. I was, I was taught, I don't know how, how, I think it was taught in his pulpit as well, but God's promises are for us. They may not be to us, but they're for us. They're our example that we can follow. Do you think God has made a mistake in giving us the Bible and saying, now read the Bible, but only parts of it are for you and only parts of it for somebody else? We should learn by other people's experiences, the testimonies of God. You know, there are a tremendous amount of testimonies. Read Psalm 119. That talking about the statutes and, and the testimonies and the very word of God. They, it, all these things, the testimonies of God are what God has done in people's lives or what he's done on this earth. You can learn from them. I was told by a, my junior high school teacher, homeroom teacher, he had put it on the board. There's one thing we learn from history. Is we learn nothing from history. You realize that? We don't learn by other people's mistakes. We, we, we plow head on into life making our own mistakes. Well, what we have here in our scripture passage is something for God is trying to teach us. Now, I want you to turn with me in Matthew 25. And I have, I hope it's projected. Yeah, it's there. Uh, I'm going to read part of it. And, it. and it goes like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country and called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Jesus told his disciples, I go and I will prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. We understand that. God is preparing a place for us. You know that mansion over the hilltop? That dwelling place that he has prepared for us. We're looking forward to that. Well, here Jesus is telling his disciples in this, in this parable, in this story, a man traveling to a far country. He's going away. And he called his own servants. Now, we don't know what servants are. Kids, you're coming close to it. Your kid, mom and your dad may say, take the trash out or sweep the floor or, you know, let's clean the house or let's cut the grass or let's do some things. You know, let's do some housework, wash the dishes, do the laundry. You know, say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a son. I'm not a slave. Well, that word. That word servant is the word doulos, which is the word meaning servant or slave. And if the old, in the Old Testament, they used to have what they call bond servants. And that's basically where this is going because this person is a permanent part of the household. 
This servant was an outsider who, who was brought in to do the menial works of the household. And this man apparently had some wealth because he had, we know, at least three servants. Three servants. And he called them, and he says, all right, now, gentlemen, I'm going to go away. And I'm going to give you all that I have. Everything that I have, I'm going to give to you. And to one, he gave five talents. Now, a talent is a measure of wealth. It's, 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 uh, it's hard to understand. It's, it would be considered like a bar of gold or a bar of silver. It had probably a, a, a value of maybe a thousand dollars in current, you know, whatever gold is, whatever a bar would be. But it's a talent. It's a common, a, a common uh, weight measure uh, value thing. To be exact, it's just it's just. And he gave this gentleman five. He gave his servant five. And to another he gave two. And another one he gave one. And then the scripture says something very interesting. Each according to his ability. Now if I gave something out to to anybody, let's just say I reach into my billfold and I pull out and I would give... A dollar, say, to Jeremiah. And then I would give two dollars to, say, Lizabel. And then I give five dollars to Jonathan. Now that's, that's what, he, what he did. Now let, that was all the money that I, I had, so that's what I gave him, gave them. Now, why would I not give a $5 bill to Jeremiah? He would love it. But he wouldn't know how to deal with it. He may not know how to deal with a $1 bill, let alone a $5 bill. Now, I'm not begrudging Lizabelle because I gave her $2. She could handle more money than what Jeremiah could, so I'm, I, she could, I think she could handle that pretty well. Now, she might not know how to handle it, but I'm saying she, she has a little bit more understanding as a steward of what I give her. Now think about what I'm saying as a steward. I'm entrusted with, I've entrusted these people with this money. Jonathan, now on the other hand, now, I know Jonathan's capable because he manages a, 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 a business. And he knows how to handle money. And he, I could, $5 would be great for him. And I know, kind of have a figure idea. He, he wouldn't know what to do with the $1 bill. It's kind of interesting 
this man was familiar with his servants and their abilities. One of the interesting things we have in our society today, we have employees and employers, and we would kind of think that's how this all fits together, but the unfortunate thing is you, the employer only knows what is on the, what the applicant puts on the application for them to know what's going on. He doesn't know them. He gets to know them as he works with them, as they work with him. They become, they, they, they have a relationship that they develop. In this story, this man that's going away has a relationship uh, and he's entrusting to them a, 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 you know, some, some responsibility of, of talents. Now, in this sense, it's money-wise. Because he reveals that later. The man was familiar with the servant and their abilities. But then I'm amazed a little bit because it says in the next verse, and it says, and immediately he went on his journey. In other words, he disappeared. And here they are, these three men, each with their stewardship, each with their responsibility, each with their own talent, the amount of talents, according to their abilities, what they are able to do with it. It starts out with the first one, verse 16. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Whoa! Wow, listen to that. He received it. In this sense, I get this picture that he treated it as though it was his very own. He could look at it and he could say, wow, five talents. Wow, $5,000. Wow. You know, maybe. Now, I want you to remember, this person is a bond servant or a, he might be an indentured servant. Boy, could I use that money? I could get my, I could buy my freedom. I could, or I could get out of debt. Wow. But there's something that he realized. This isn't his. Those talents weren't his. He treated them though they were his. But they weren't his. And so he takes them and he trades them. Now I don't know how you trade. Maybe he invested it. He did business with it. He, he dealt, he, you know, he did some dealings with it. It being active in business, you know, he, he was investing it maybe. And apparently his, you know, it tells us what happened. He made another five talents. Now he has ten talents of gold, talents in his hands, in his possession. 
boy, that's a pretty good return. Now, it doesn't say how long it took him that way or how long, what it, what it took him, but it did take him time, but it did apparently not that much time. Take note to the next two words. And it says, and likewise, likewise, in the same way, in the same manner, the second servant who had two talents, he received it. He too made it his, made it his. <coughs> Even though it wasn't his, it was somebody else's, he made it his. This is, this has been entrusted to me. And he received it and he treated it his own. And what does the scripture say? He gained two more talents. Where he once had two, now he has Four. Wow. Maybe he's looking at that, uh, uh, if I understand correctly, as according to his ability, maybe he, he, he realized, wait a minute, now I have, I have double what I had before. That's kind of interesting. He increased his responsibility. Just like the man who had ten increased his responsibility. But we look at verse 18. And he who received one talent. Wait a minute. You would think. <coughs> you would think. That it would say. And the one who received one talent. But no, it said but, which indicates what? A contrast maybe. But he who received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. He had one talent. He only had the ability to handle one talent. And he had it in his hand. And he didn't know what to do with it. He doesn't want to lose it. He doesn't want to forfeit it. He does you know, there's, he, he, it tells us later, when we get to that point, he's afraid. And so what he does... He takes it out and he puts it in the ground. He digs a hole and he puts it in the ground. I'd like to know where that person is, where he buried it, because I'd like to go find it. You understand? He, there are many things that God has given to us. He's entrusted to us. And because of fear, we do nothing. We do nothing. Why? Because of fear. God wants us to be courageous. God wants us to be not to be afraid. What has God given us that we that we don't know how to handle? I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Good. 
But don't be afraid to, to whatever God has given you to use it for God. Because God knows exactly how to do it. I talked to you on Wednesday about the believer in the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is able to teach you. We have the anointing. God is able to teach you. Take what you know and use what you know and God will teach you more. Don't think you have arrived. If I thought I had arrived, guess what? I wouldn't be here. I'd be someplace else doing something else. But I have not arrived because I've learned that I don't know everything. And the older I get, the more I forget or the less I know. And it goes that way. Kids, you, look, you have that to look forward to. I'm not trying to discourage you. Grab as much knowledge as you can, especially of the Word of God. Let it become a part of you. Let it, you become a part of it. Let the Word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly. That's something God has given to you. Multiply it. He doesn't just want you to sit and sing in church. He wants us to participate in worshiping him, glorifying him, lifting him up. Because he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. How are we lifting up Christ? That's a, that's a responsibility. That's a talent that God has given to us. But we, have, we are afraid Can you imagine what Joshua felt? Be of good courage. <laughs> Go in and possess the land. Okay, Lord. <laughs> How about Gideon? Look at the look at Hebrews eleven and see what how God, how they looked at themselves and how God looked at them. Look, read their stories. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Oh, I believe God, but what do you believe? I want to give you something to think about. I said this when I first came here to Northridge. Only a very few of you knew, heard that. Do you believe God can fill this auditorium? Do you believe God can fill this auditorium with people? I do. God can do anything, right? How's he going to do it? How is he going to do it? How would he do it? Are they just going to walk in off the, off the street? God could do it that way. But what's your responsibility to it? What's my responsibility to it? Are we not afraid? One of the biggest things I learned when I was at Radio Shack was, was something rather interesting. 
The reason why we don't have more, we can't make more money in sales as a, as a salesman is this: we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid people are going to say no. We're afraid people are going to turn us down. Why are we not? Why don't we have the courage to tell people about Jesus Christ? Why? If I were driving by Judy and Lynn's house and I happened to look over there and I would see that their roof was on fire, their house was on fire, and I could look in the picture window they have there and I could see them in there, they hi, Pastor Jim! And I saw the roof on fire, guess what? I wouldn't go, oh, hi! I'd be pounding on that door and say, hey, Lynn, your house is on fire. Why? Because of the urgency we believe in the second coming of Christ. This is, a, this is going to play in this, in this scenario that Jesus is talking about because the man comes back. The man that went away on a journey immediately came back. Verse 19, And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Okay, guys, let's audit the books. Let's see how you fared. How did you use, or how did, what did you do with my, the talents I gave you? The gifts that I gave you? By the way, he did get, that's what they were. They were gifts to them. They weren't permanent gifts because he entrusted them. He made sure. And now he's, given, he's come back to have given audit. Now the Lord himself is going to, we're going to stand before him. And he's going, we're going to give an account for everything done in our bodies, whether it be good or bad. We're going to give an account. We're, he's going to reckon. It's going to be a time of reckoning. Of our stewardship. And we're going to receive in our bodies what was done, whether it be good or bad. You cannot change that. So you, you need to be good stewards, good stewards of what God has given you. The Lord, again, he's the master of the servants. He's the one who, who they belong to. Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? He's the possessor of, the, of all, all the properties. The, earth, heaven, the, Lord is the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein. <laughs> Wow. So whatever you have is God, so he's going to come back someday and he's going to say, now what did, let's, let's tally the books. Let's see how you did. He's the executor of this property. 
And he did bands and accounting. So he who had received five talents came and brought the five, ta- five other talents. Here, Lord, you gave me five, and I got five more. Whoa! I, he gave you five talents, and you gave him ten. Saying, the Lord, you have delivered to be five talents, and I look, and look. He says, look. It's visible. Something happened. He, you could see it. Have gained five more talents. Verse 21. The Lord said to him, well done. I don't care of anything else. I'm going to tell you this honestly. And it almost chokes me to tears sometimes to think about it. I'm not interested in the streets of gold. I'm not. It's going to be nice. I'm not going to be interested in the house that God has prepared for me. Though I will be. What I desire more than anything else in this world and in the world to come is to hear those words, well done. Well done. I don't care what people think of me. I really, I do, but I don't. It hurts when people have negative things to say. It hurts. But that's part of the cross. Bearing the cross. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done. Think about that. What's more important to you right now? What's the most important thing to you right now? What people think of you? What people say of you? Or what, what, you know, what, what is the most important thing to you? Is it not that God will be there to say, well done to you? Good and faithful servant. Who are you serving? Are you serving yourself? Are you serving your pleasures? You know, one, of the, one of the beautiful things I, I loved about Workday. And I, I'm bragging on you folks. I'm telling you right now, I'm bragging on you men that were there on that Workday. You were told to do something and you did it. No questions asked. Just went and did it. And if you didn't, wasn't told to do something, you found something to do and you did it. And I'm saying, wow, this is great. I felt like a, a fifth leg on a horse. Because you guys did the job. 
well done. Now you're saying, I'm not worried about what you think, Pastor. Because I was doing it for the Lord. <laughs> Great. Asked you, I asked some guys that go down, they wanted to go down in that thing downstairs that they call a tool room <laughs> and clean it out and straighten it out. And they went down there and if you ever been in that place, you'd, it's a disaster ready to happen. But they straightened it up and they got it cleaned up. We have more work to do and that'll come in time. God will reward you according to that. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Now I'm not going to go to the second one. I'm going to go right to the last one. I know I'm getting close to time. But I want you to understand something here. The second one, he did the same thing. See, you don't have to have five talents in order to, to, to impress God. You don't have to be the, the theologian. You don't have to be the intellect. You don't have to be, you know, the, 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 the spiritual elite. All you have to have is, is an, a, a certain ability which God has given you, and you use it for him. He gave this man two talents, and he got two more talents. And you know he got the same reward that the man who had ten talents. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent. Wow. Now what did he do with his talent? He dug, he buried it, and he left it alone. And he who had received the one talent came. He came. And said, Lord... This man understood, this servant understood the Lord's disposition. He knew about his Lord. See, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a fly-by-night relationship. This, he understood his Lord. He, had, he, had, he knew who he was talking to. He, he knew it. I knew. I know. I knew you were you to be a hard man. Whoo! You ever run into those people, the hard nosed people? Uh, if I don't do this, if I do, if I don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> if I do it, I get a whipping. <laughs> you know. I better not do anything because if I don't, if I do it, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, he's a hard man. He's a hard man to please. He's a hard man to do this thing. To, to, uh, to, you know, 
We've had a few people like that. Maybe in, in where we work, we have people like that. Maybe, in some regards, we're that kind of people. We're right. We know it. I know, know that you'd be a hard man. Reaping. Listen to this. This is, this is phenomenal. Reaping. Where you have not sown. And gathering where you have not scattered seed. I would say this man's shrewd. He, he knows how, he, he knows how to be opportunistic. He knows how to, you know, leverage things. He knows how to get out of people what he wants. This man knew this. This servant knew this. And in verse 25, this is how it affected him. I was afraid. I know you're this type of person. I know, I know who you. I had, I had uh, first time I worked with one of one of the fellows at Radio Shack. I'm going to tell you right now. I was, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way: I was scared spitless. But once I got to know him. We became very good friends. And, and it wasn't that, you know, I was there trying to do my best. Because of do, my doing best, I made more money. If I didn't do my best, I wouldn't make more money. So what happened? I did my best. And then I found out he showed me how to do better. He showed me how to sow without and receive, without receive, and, and receiving. He showed me how to how all these very principles here. But if I didn't if I didn't have the desire to improve, I would not have I would have been stuck and I would have been in a very unfortunate situation. I was afraid. And I went and hid. Notice it says, your talent. What, did, what, have you, what do you have of God that you have hid from him? That you're afraid of? Or not afraid of, not what you're afraid of, but what are you, that you know, you're afraid something's going to happen to it, or it's not going to work. We have all manners of excuses. Remember the people that came to Jesus? Oh, uh, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me go bury the dead. Or uh, I'll follow you. I got a piece of land to look at. Or I have some oxen to look at. (laughs) And he, go. That's right. But what has God entrusted with you that you're afraid to, to use for God? To invest for God? One of, the, one of the hardest things to do, and I'll tell you this from experience, is family members. You don't, you know, what, God wants something, uh, but uh, we're, we want to hang on to him. We want to shelter him. But maybe God's wanting to speak to, with them and to them to use them wherever God wants. 
But we're afraid. Afraid we might lose them. Is there any wonder that the Lord told his disciples, whatsoever man gains, that shall he else, you know, what shall a man gain if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? What, what, what are, what's at stake here? This is kind of scary, isn't it? I went and I buried the, your talent in the ground. You have what is yours. Oh, look, and you have what is yours. He brought it out and presented it. Here, here it is, Lord. Here's that word again. But his Lord answered. He identifies the problem. He identifies the problem. And said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Oh, God's going to do it. You know, but, you know, God will, you know, let God do it. Whatever God has entrusted you with, you're going to let God do it. But God didn't keep the talent. The man didn't keep the talent. He gave it to him. And he says, here, you do it. You use it. You have it. You make it yours. You do it. You take care of it. Oh. You wicked and lazy servant. You remember the illustration where the servant, where the, where the man was fired, the, the, the steward was fired because he handled the books improperly. He didn't do a stewardship. And, you know, he went out and he says, how much do my, does my, and he gave him the number and, and he came back and he told them, you know, he, he, and the master complimented him on his shrewdness, his ability. And what he was saying, even though he fired him, he says, why didn't you do that when, when you had the job? Why didn't you do that? Well, it comes back to the very same thing that's here. I was afraid. Or he tried to selfishly motivate, you know, I was thinking selfishly. If, I, if he had 80 bushels or something, uh, uh, I was, you know, I was going to get 80 back and, you know, give my master 40 and I'd keep 40. And it didn't work out that way. You have knew that I was, I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered. So you ought to have. This is what you should have done. If you weren't going to do anything, this is what you should have done. This is what you ought to have done. But you didn't. What does God give you and what are you, are you holding back on God? And what, do you, what does God want you to do?
you could have deposited this talent in a bank and gained interest. Might not have been much. Might not have been, you know, it might have cost a little bit. But it would have been something. So that when I come, uh, I would have received back my own with interest, with a gain. See, his business is in gain. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or give an exchange for his soul? What does God, what has God entrusted to you and entrusted to me that he wants a return on? Even at interest. So, verse 28. So take the talent from him. He now doesn't have any talents. He doesn't have any money or he doesn't have anything because it's being given to somebody who has a lot. And that is the man who has ten. You notice he didn't give it to the person who had two. He gave it to the one who had ten. Here's lost opportunities that the child, that this person has. I'm, I, I just really am amazed how God blesses those who wisely use what God has given them. In the last two verses, I'm going to go through rather quickly, but I want you to, I want you to see something here. For everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. I come that you may have life and life more abundant. What do you consider an abundant life? What, what do you consider uh, 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 in your life, what do you consider as an abundance? You know what you have, most of you people here have more, and I'm going to do this comparatively, you have more than people in Africa or India or China or anywhere else in the world. You have more. You have the poorest person in America is richer than the poorest person, uh, or the richest per, some of the richest people in other parts of the country, uh, other parts of the world. I'm not saying that. If if you want to see something, read, get, get, find the Voice of the Martyrs magazine and read what they have. They have little or nothing, and they get that taken away from them because they believe. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. If you don't use what you have for God, and you know, you heard the phrase, lose it or lose it. Use what God has given you. Well, I don't know what God, I don't know what I could do. That's all right. What are you doing now? A whole lot more than what, what you, what, then you realize you're doing a whole lot more. You're a neighbor, aren't you? 
You work in an office, don't you? Or work in a, in a job, don't you? You work in a, in a place or, or at home. You got neighbors. You got your family. Invested them. You know, I don't say trade your kids. But, you know, let your kids be neighbors. Then he turns around and he says something very sad. It's very sad. Verse 30, and he says, Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Put him out. You're fired. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, that, that, that you got to understand that this, this Lord has the, has the, the right he has the right to fire this individual. You're fired. Cast him out. Put him out in the dark. Put him outside. I don't want to see him again. Now, people are going to throw, oh, can he lose his salvation? No, that's not the point. Take him away from it, remove him from his stewardship. Just take him away. I don't want to see him again. Why? Because what happens is this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my rest. The two and the five, they entered into the joy of the Lord. This man was put outside in darkness. He where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, I should have done that. Oh, I could have done that. I, oh, why didn't I do that? Oh. Think about what God is saying in this parable, in this story. What are you going to get? What is the reward you're going to receive when the Lord comes and you have to give an account to him? Are you going to be blessed of God, well done? Or is there going to be that fear and that consternation of what you could have done? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you that you've given to us this parable that teaches us who we are, stewards. You've entrusted to us much. So, Lord, may we return much to you in whatever way possible we can. Bless this time now, we pray. Encourage our hearts through your word and draw us near to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't